I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. from a sunny, muggy Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I'm sure you've all seen it on the news how much rain we've had, but I can think of years when it was worse. But uh, we're finally getting into the 90s and with the, I don't know, what we have probably 10 or 12 inches of rain in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's nice to see the sun, but uh, anyone who's lived down here, what comes with the sun comes with humidity. In fact, a good buddy of mine went out and played around the golf west, and I said, so how'd it go? And he said, man, that was a beat down. The sun was out. The humidity was up. Apparently played pretty good, <clears throat> but other than that, he's like, man, I am worn out, and I need a, I need a nap. I was like, well, yeah, because we haven't had any real high temperatures. I think we had one or two days in the 90s back in maybe May, but it wasn't oppressive now we're getting into that part of the year but so far so good can't complain too much because i've lived here long enough to remember when it hit 100 degrees on may 1st and it didn't stop for 65 or 75 days and folks that was just damn brutal because i worked outside on a construction crew and that was that was miserable I don't even want to get into how miserable it was. All right. Well, we went to Dunstan's last night for dinner. And Jerry, Patty, and, oh, yes, the return of crazy Tracy and Tabitha. Tracy's a whole different story. <clears throat> she and Wes hooked up and played a prank on me to where she would stand in one of the booths as you come out of the smoking room and you take a left. And if you're not looking, you can't see anything. And she jumped out and I was like, my good Lord, just about crapped all over myself. Reminded me of when I went to a haunted house with my kids decades ago. And this guy came out with a chainsaw and I just lost it and fell on the floor. And I was laughing. He's like, man, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, she kind of did a similar stunt, but, uh, well, he amused me. She did not. And now that she's back, payback will be a bitch, my dear. I'm sure you're not listening, but that's okay. I am. And we're watching you, but you'll get over that. And then the prior week, we had met some new friends, Cy, Catherine, Chris, Jonna, and Joe, who I need to get in touch with for some potential Ranger tickets. That will be exciting. I just... God, I just can't get excited about going to that $1.1 billion cathedral, especially with the crap that we're seeing on the field right now. And I am going to really get into that. I mean, this is just pathetic. But let's do a little promotion. As I say, this show works off of donations and if you like what you hear, you can subscribe and it starts at two ninety nine a month and you can archive everything I've got. What in the hell is going on now? 
What? No, I don't know. This damn thing. Stop that. I don't want to watch the last 10 days of Hitler. Just inadvertently popped up. I guess I should take that disc out. Well, let's see. That's two foo paws. I think that's a record so far. Um, it's two ninety nine a month or whatever you want to pay. And you can see everything in the archives. And anything would be appreciated. I also have a GoFundMe motivational speaker and author for hire. And while we're on that topic, I'm putting together a management seminar off of my book. And it's going to be entitled Cutting to the Chase based on what I talk about in my book, Do Your Damn Job. And if you're interested in the copy, you can either go to Amazon and download it, or if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you're interested, drop me an email, jdawson41 at netzero.net or lddjenterprises at gmail.com, and I will gladly drop off a free copy that you can peruse through. It's a total of 106 pages, but it's very basic. I mean, I am not one for theories, and I remember when they came up with the mid-management farms and offices, which was just an absolute disaster. I mean, the first one that I saw used that actually func functioned was the city of Dallas Public Works when they were located on Mockingbird and I-35. They had a big room of drafting tables and engineers, and that's where they put everything together. But they weren't sectioned off. And then when the city of Dallas moved so that there'd be more connection with the community in Oak Cliff, yeah, there was more connection. First couple of months they were there, they had more cars stolen than they'd had the whole time they'd been at Mockingbird. And that was in the first month to the point the city of Dallas had to spend a shitload of money to build a wrought iron fence all the way around the employee parking with secure access. I thought that was just the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. But that's where I saw the first office farms. And I said, this sucks. This sucks. So I get back to the basics. And I do mean the basics of management styles and techniques that work. So like I said, if you want more information on that and when it's going to be and the cost, which is going to be affordable, I'm not here to break your bank. I'm here to help you motivate your employees, make more sense of meetings. What do you do with bad managers or bosses? How do you keep your turnover rate at a minimum? And how do you interact with employees after work? And then I have one tie, one chapter, live to work or work to live. And that one's pretty important. And it took me years to figure out that concept. I mean, years. And that's when I reunited with my sweetheart back in January 2009. But she taught me a lot in those seven short months. And that was one of the main things. I went from working shit seven days a week. 16, 18 hours a day. I lived to work. I got back with Debbie and I worked to live. And there is a huge difference. 
and I'm sure some of you can relate to that. It's like, why does my, why is my spouse always at work? You know, we're making great money, but we don't get to do anything with it because we don't see each other. Well, that's because you're living to work. And if you don't want to go through a divorce and costly alimony and all that fine stuff, then why don't you work to live? It's a completely different concept and you will get a lot more out of life if you do that. Okay. So any donations will be great. And I also have a Jeff Dawson Patreon account and I'm loading up some of my management techniques on there. Yes, you're going to have to pay to get on there, but there are multiple levels and you choose whichever one you're comfortable with. I've got to get those loaded up today, but I'm focusing on dealing with employees, but I'm also working in management skills with baseball because those of you who know me, I love the game of baseball. And the more I look at this book that I wrote, along with the two baseball management uh, coaching books, the parallels in managing players and employees are pretty damn close. Some people will say, oh, I don't believe it. Well, then that means you haven't done both. I have player coach umpire ran the gamut for 30 plus years construction going on 40 plus years. And there are a lot of parallels that you can use at the workplace or you can use on the ball field. So if you're a baseball coach and you're looking for some good tips, uh, like I said, I have two management books on Amazon, little league to high school, the fundamentals of coaching baseball, basically what it is. I just don't buy into all the new age or anything else that the people want to experiment with. And then they find out, gee, I just spent $200,000 and nothing has changed. Productivity is still the same. Morale is still the same, if not worse. The turnover rate is still the same, if not worse. But hey, you spent $200,000. How do you feel about that now? You really didn't get much for your money, did you? No, you didn't. Okay. Let's do two book reviews because this is the month of June and this was a very pivotal month, pivotal month for those of us who are familiar with World War II. We had the Battle of Midway that started on June 4th and we had the invasion of Europe on June 6th. The first one is A Higher Call by Adam Makos. What a brilliant book. It really is. It, uh, and I'm not going to tell you the characters. I'll tell you one of them. One of the pilot, the main pilot was Charlie Brown. And that's, that's no joke. That was his name. They had a raid on Germany and they got just knocked around that plane. There was no reason that plane should fly. And if you've seen pictures of B-17s that came back to their bases that were chopped up and engines gone and the canopy and cockpit gone. You know what I'm talking about? Well, their plane was in this shape and a German pilot 
landed, refueled, and started chasing it. But as he approached the rear, there was no fire coming from it. Remember, the B-17 had a tail gunner. There was no fire coming from it. And he's looking at the stabilizer and the horizontal, uh, the stabilizers and the rudder, and they're just shot to shit. And the closer he gets, he realizes that the tail gunner's dead. There's no way they can defend themselves from a rear attack. So he does something that if he would have been caught and reported, would have been the firing squad. He escorted that bomber out in to the Baltic Sea, to the North Sea, because he knew the anti-aircraft batteries would identify his plane and they wouldn't want to shoot him down. But they're also like, why is it by a B-17? Well, maybe he's just getting in position to shoot him down. And I won't tell you the rest of the story because I'm not Paul Harvey, but what a brilliant book. I've read it multiple times. And then I loaned it out and the guy I loaned it to, of course, he didn't return it. I need to hunt him down because that is a great book. The other one is fly boys by Stephen Ambrose. And that deals with the raid on Chichijima, which was the radar station linking Iwo Jima to the mainland of Japan. And one of the pilots in this raid was George Herbert Bush. That's right. The president of the United States, the man who was director of the CIA, the vice president to Ronald Reagan. Politics aside, of course, Stephen Ambrose is one of the premier historical writers. You can't take anything away from that. If you've seen the series Band of Brothers, yep, Ambrose wrote the book. He's just such a knowledgeable man. And his presentation is wonderful because you're being educated as he tells the story. But you're, not, you're just not being hammered with stats and figures and dates. You're being told a story. And this was a brutal story. In fact, I didn't buy this book. It was given to me as a Christmas present by my son. And when I unwrapped it, you know how a paperback is. They sit flat, right? Well, this one wouldn't sit flat. It's like, I thought this was a new book. He goes, no, it is. It's a new book. But since I didn't know what to get you and what books you didn't have, I decided to read the whole book to make sure you'd like it. Thumbs up to Justin. That was a great, great present. Okay, that's the good. Two books I highly recommend. Now let's talk about the bad. Oh, good God. Yeah, the Texas Rangers. And I've got a couple of YouTube and Facebook live videos I've done. I mean, I really didn't think it could get much worse. 
and then I watched the game last night, I was horribly, horribly mistaken. Seven to nothing in the third inning, Fultowinich. I'm about tired of this experiment. The final is 12 to one. The Rangers in two innings had bases loaded and could generate one run. And let's be honest, Kershaw is Kershaw, and that was his night. But ugly baseball, Yang, this is the second game in a row that a Ranger pitcher decides he'd rather throw the ball into the stands than throw it to the damn catcher. Trevino's a good catcher, but hell, the man's not King Kong. He can't jump 25 feet up in the air and catch it. What in the hell is going on? This is just utterly, it's its past the point of embarrassing. In fact, their performance was so bad, I think they started infecting the Dodgers because they had a, I think it was in the seventh or eighth inning, they started throwing the ball around like T-ballers do. I was waiting for someone to just start kicking it. See if anybody would catch it. Oh, God, it was ugly. I mean, but ugly. And Adolis, you know, yeah, he's one of the top run producers in the in the majors right now. Okay, great. But now he's been reading the press and listening to the press and believing what the press says about him. So he's not going up for there for the base hit. And we saw this against the giants here in Arlington. He wanted to be the hero. He wants to hit the game running home run. Hey, dumbass, just hit the damn ball, put it in play and see what happens. Make the defense, make a play. No, we got to be the hero. Well, with this pitching staff, Uh, there are no heroes. This has got to be one of the most pathetic pitching staffs there is right now in the bullpen. With the exception of Fulton Newwich, who he is, well, I think his ERA overall now is 4.84 and he's one and seven in 2021. What is this? The Tigers of 2000? When Bonderman and Maruth managed to lose 20 games each? Really? This is, send him to the minors. He's not ready. He's proven it. He's not ready. Guy's been in the majors for 11 years. He does not have a stellar career. Yeah, he's making good money. There's no arguing that. But we are sure not getting any production out of him unless we're the opposing team. Then we're getting a lot of production out of him. One and seven. I understand those that dispute that the one loss record isn't an indication of a pitcher's performance because this has been debated going on for like three years and they don't like the ERA stat. They're all big about the whip. Well, his whip sucks too. He just sucks. Okay. And the day that the boneheads on the TV broadcaster of Raymond nitwit grieve and now murray's joining them don't start calling out what they're seeing on the field the radio guys are eric nadell and them they're starting to get a little disgusted with this whole deal of course 
their boss is John Daniels and he's a puss and he's new wave and he's analytical and he's all this crap baseball man. He is not. And he's got two years left on his contract because I don't think they extended it when they promoted him to president of the Ranger organization. But the, the, this team, and I'm sick of hearing about what they're rebuilding. Well, let's see. Uh, the last appearance in the World Series was 2011. That's 10 years. Now, it didn't help when Ron Washington got into his family issues. But that was kind of the turning point because then Daniels, since Washington has to leave, instead of making Wakamatsu the manager, he brings in Jeff Bannister, and then he brings in Doug Brokale for the pitching coach, and it has been nothing but a it's like a ski slope at the Olympics. Only we're not going down slowly. We're coming right out of the blocks at a 50-degree angle and going straight down at a terrifying speed. I mean, really, think about this. When I last reported on this two weeks ago, there were two games under 500 and things looked promising. Now we're 16 games under 500. And the only teams below us are the Diamondbacks, 313 winning percentage, the Orioles at 355, the Pirates at 371, and the Rangers at 375. The Rockies were really bad. Well, they're at 391, and the Twins are better than us because they seem to be winning at 397. Jesus Christ, what the hell is it? You got any comments on this? You can call in at 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. This is an abomination. Am I going to watch them tonight again at 910? Yeah, I'm going to watch them again tonight at 910. I'm going to stomach the game. And, I mean, even my other team, the Tigers, oh, Lord, they're more interested in putting the gay pride colors on the big D for their insignia and making a big deal about this because I was in a Detroit Tigers group on Facebook, and, I mean, people drop like flies. And, of course, there will be those that come out and say, oh, look at the racists and look at the homophobes and this, that, and the other. No, they missed the whole point. We don't give it. If I'm sitting at a stadium, at a game, and you're sitting next to me, what do I care about? Do I care about your sexual preference? No. Do I care about your politics? No. All I care about is what do you think about this team this year? And that's what I want to talk about. That's all I want to talk about because I'm going to the ball game, ball game to get away from all the crap that we were bombarded with by 24-7 news. It's not even news. 24-hour shows that are faking to be news agencies. That's a better, that's, that's a better name for this bastardization we see every day. And that's why I can only 
handle about maybe five minutes of any one of these shows in the morning or it's just, I, I just don't need it. Okay. So have the Rangers given up? Well, you know, let's go back to some of these ERAs. If we just look at last night, well, Fultonowicz, 23.625, Yang, 9, Geis, 9, Patton, he got a 0.00. And then I had to look at the TV twice. Culberson, what? Culberson is supposed to be playing third base. When you when a manager brings in an infielder to pitch on the mound, what does that tell you? It tells me they've given up. This is the best they can do. Well, who's next? Are we going to have Solak or Gallo? What about Adolis? I guess you could use White. You just pulled him up. Kiner Falef has played damn near every position. Let's put him on the mound. What about Lowe? Lowe might be able to throw one over the plate. Really? What's next? You going to ask the ball boy to go out there and throw a few innings? Why not? What the hell? Sounds like a plan to me. Who cares? When I see that, it reminds me when, was it Johnny Oates, who was the manager of the Rangers, or uh, Bobby Valentine, and they put Jose Canseco on the mound? Yeah, we knew the season was over. We knew the season was over. This is pathetic. This is not rebuilding. I don't know what the hell it is. I really don't. It's embarrassing, but yeah, it's painful. I cringe. I'm not going to make it a priority. I mean, if they rerun a man from fire that's on AMC right now, if this happens to come on and the Ranger game is on, yeah, that's going to be a tough choice. Do I want to watch Denzel Washington, Rhoda, Rhoda Mitchell? give a good acting performance or do I want to watch the Rangers give a poor acting performance? You know, be a juggler. I don't know which, what do we want to toss up in the air this time? Let's flip a coin. Let's see if it comes down heads, tails, or stands on its stands on its end. Then we'll really be screwed. Oh Lord. I don't know which way to go, but, and then there's the, Gallo trade that the media and even one of my friends, Wes keeps talking about is the thing is between the Padres and the Yankees. Now that's the last thing the Rangers need to do. They have a solid right fielder and um, he has the, if not one of the best, the best arms in right field, you're not going to test Joey Gallo. He not only throws it hard, he throws it accurate. And that catcher does not have to move maybe more than one step to field that ball and make the tag at the plate. Oh, yeah. He hit a bomb against the Giants, but we're still talking about a 210 and 215 hitter. The Padres 
are definitely in the thick right now. The Yankees are they've they've kind of slid a little, but they're still in the hunt. Are you getting him for his offense or his defense? Well, if I'm looking at his batting average, it's definitely his defense. Hopefully, we can get his average up to where it should be for his size and his power. He should be a three, a 290 to 300 hitter, hands down, no questions asked. For what he's making, yeah, that's what I want. I don't want 210. I don't want 215. Joey, I need you to hit the ball when we have runners on base. I don't need you to do what Odolis is now doing and just giving these mammoth blasts into the outfield that go 400 feet. Only problem is the fence is 410. It's just a long, long out. And as a fan... I don't watch. I don't listen to the announcers when the ball like that is hit and they get all excited. I watch the outfielder. If the cameras got them in, that's what I'm watching. And he will indicate where that ball is going. And if they're at a dead run going back, it's like, it's got a chance. It's got a chance. But if they're just kind of standing there, milling around, lighting up a smoke, popping the top on a cold beer, it's like, yeah, he's just waiting for it to uh, come down but he doesn't want to waste that valuable time. So he's going to, you know, might even call up his girlfriend waiting for the ball to come down. It's hard to say, but that's all it is. It's a long fly ball for an out end of inning killed the rally dumbass. Put the ball in play. I know that's a novel idea, but why don't you try it now and then? Oh, Lord. Okay. That's about all I've got to say about the Rangers. And I think that's more than enough. Okay. I got a new one here. Bonehead quote of the week. And it goes to Jillian Turner at Fox. Now, I had to listen to it a couple of times. But they were talking about COVID and Tubin, who I'll get into in a minute. And she said hundreds of millions have died from COVID-19. I was like, say what? Hundreds of millions? Uh, she didn't say infected. She said died. And then that was repeated by Rachel Campos this morning. And it's like, is anybody checking their facts? If we believe the numbers, and it's getting to the point where I don't know if I believe any of this shit anymore that comes out of the CDC and John Hopkins. 175 million have been infected worldwide. 924 people have died, if you believe the numbers, and 594,000 of that are in the United States. But there seems to be a lot of discrepancy going on in uh, the numbers that are coming out. And the reason I say this, I've been tracking this stuff 
since April of last year because I didn't believe a damn thing any of the news stations were kicking out. So, for instance, the week ending 522, the cumulative death toll dropped 16,557. Now, that's a cumulative. So, you can go to each state. You go to the site and look at what they've reported each week. So either the number is going to go up or it's not, right? It's not going to go down because they've been, it's cumulative. So we're adding on like the old compound interest we're adding on, but it drops. Well, that didn't make a lot of sense. Then the next week, 529, it jumps up. And it jumps up again. Oh, yeah, 529 was a really bad week because that's why I don't have a total there. It was bad because nobody reported anything. There was no information. It's like, what, it's not Memorial Day weekend. Did y'all go to sleep? Yeah, I think that's what's happening. So on, so I had to throw that week out, but on 6-6, it went up 25,452 because New York had an adjustment from 522 where they apparently overreported 9,808 cases. Now they recouped them and added 10,294. Explain how that happens. It can't unless someone's got their head up their ass. Perhaps they should buy one of my plexiglass stomachs with the windshield wiper attachment. Maybe they can see what the hell they're doing. And I am running a special on them right now. But, I mean, these numbers are just, they're getting to the point where they don't make sense. They really don't make sense. The only good news is, if you believe the numbers, we are seventh in the world of the countries I've been following and mortalities per population. The leader of the pack is little old Bosnia. You never hear anything about them, do you? No. Then they're followed by Italy, Mexico. Where's number four? Peru, England. And it just, you know, it goes from there. Sweden's still sitting at number 10. And remember, they didn't lock down. They just decided we're going with herd, herd immunity and see what, see what happens. And the reason I di- I've been watching this is, okay, let's look at the countries that locked down. Let's look at the countries that didn't lock down. Well, the ones that locked down, uh, appear to be leading the pack and mortalities per total population. What does that tell you about all these quote, as the media says it, draconian laws. And now they're all excited that Chicago opened up. Well, it's been open up for a year because it's been hunting season in Chicago. If you look at their murder rate, New York. Oh, now we're going to open up. Well, get ready for that. Body count to skyrocket, folks. And, of course, Lightfoot was out there. 
just all excited. We're the best city in the world. You are not the best city in the world. You are a dung pile. There are nice places in Chicago. I have a good friend who lives in Chicago. But with the crime rate that they have versus Dallas, yeah, Dallas is doing a hell of a lot better than you, Lori. She is an embarrassment. But, hey, she is. She was voted in. And I remember people arguing about how they couldn't stand her. Well, I can't stand her either. But, hey, I'm looking at the polls. She got a 75% approval rating. You figure it out. You want to argue that? Well, take it up with somebody who cares. You can say everything you want to, just like Cortez and Pelosi. And I hope they get voted out of office. Why don't you do a little search real quick and see what their approval rating is in that district. And you're going to realize we don't have a chance in hell. Schumer's the same way. Yeah, we can't stand them. And they can't stand our Republican candidates, but just go to that district, pull it up, see what the approval rating is, and there is your answer. And that's how I eliminate a lot of my debates or arguments with people. It's like it's right there. You don't have to believe me. Look it up for yourself. Try something new. Look it up for yourself. Shocking but true. So, yeah, they get the bonehead quote of the week award and i did kind of laugh when i heard about this tubing issue and my dear friend patty brought it up and reminded me of it last night i didn't know who this clown was i didn't care who he was and now that i know who he is i really don't give two shits about him however CNN just rehired him. I think I did catch a clip of that yesterday. I don't remember where, but a bit of, and you know, he comes out and now he's apologizing for basically jacking off during a zoom meeting. Well, since CNN's great at masturbation of the mouth, Hell, let's just get the real thing work for us and see if he'll perform it on air. What a bunch of morons. What the hell? Oh, but he came out and he's apologizing to his wife and his children and his family and his friends. Obviously, you're not getting much at the house if you've got to do that during a meeting somebody's falling down on the job or your wife just thinks you're so repulsive. She doesn't even want to be in the same bed with you. Yeah, that's speculation. But really, that's who you want on air? It's a shame Johnny Holmes is dead. That'd really give your viewers a show. He and Linda Lovelace could show up and say, here, we'll do it on air for you. If you, since you don't have a manual that's working properly. Good Lord. CNN, Deep Throat Network. Why not? Imagine if 
a Republican would have done that. Of course, he worked for the New Yorker. I'm surprised he didn't work for the Atlantic, but they're about the same liberal rags per se. But well, why don't let's everybody do this? I mean, what the hell? Who cares about morals anymore? Oh, I didn't realize I was on. Hey, you know, I'm looking at my camera right now. It's got a blue light. What does the blue light mean? It means I'm on. It means I'm live. Dumbass. He gets the dumbass award of the week. That, that'd that be a new one. The dumbass of the award a week. Now, we'll give it to CNN, and then he can get a minor one. Now, and speaking of awards, did you see who uh, got a Pulitzer this year? Trump doesn't get one for the Abraham Abraham Accords or getting North Korea to back down. I mean, stabilizing the world, getting peace in countries that we have had a lot of problems with. No, they give it to this chick that filmed George Floyd, George Floyd's death. If I was Trump and just by chance, the Pulitzer committee called up and said, Hey, we'd like, we overlooked you. We're sorry, blah, blah, blah. We'd like to give you one. I'd tell them, stick it up their goat smelling ass. I don't want to be in the category of that. I mean, the Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize. I don't want, I don't want to be a party to that. That's how low these people have gone. I'm surprised they didn't give it to those that were filming the riots in Portland and Seattle, where they're going after the federal building, and those that filmed the Chaz neighborhood in Seattle, that's just groundbreaking and that's changing the world. Everyone's finding out as BLM starts to implode inside because when there's absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And then you throw hundreds of millions of dollars into the mix. Oh, it really gets a stranglehold. Gee, isn't that what happened in the USSR? There's your socialist program. They start eating each other. Do a, do some research. When Russia had their revolution in 1917 and all the people in the political arena that were either shipped off to the gulags or were just shot out, killed. It'd fill up volumes of books yeah they lost 20 million during world war ii well hell stalin alone killed that many in the camps gotta love socialism so for to to see blm imploding oh what a shame yeah i'm not gonna cry tear That saying, money is the root of all evil, well, you are seeing it firsthand, aren't you? It's all about the money now because they are oppressed and they 
deserve all this money and to all those dumbass corporations that gave money to him. How's that working out for you now? Yeah, you got to use it as a tax write-off. Well, how you feeling now? It was never about the cause. It's always been about the money, the power, and the sheep you have underneath you. Idiots. Absolute idiots. Okay. Greg Abbott. There was a Facebook post a few days ago that I really pissed off this gal I've known for a long time, but then that's kind of normal. She says something ignorant and I will fire back and say, you are such a twit. And she knows I'm going to call her that. And then she just says, shut up, Dawson. She's very nice about it. Just shut the hell up, Dawson. And the post was Trump and Abbott in 2024. And those of you that know me know I do not want him running in 2024. I want him to get behind someone like DeSantos. I don't want another. I, I loved Donald's policies. The But as a man, no, I didn't like him at all. But I don't want to go through another four years of this of the media just losing their minds and really stirring the pot and firing everybody up. Let Trump get behind some people. Well, they threw Abbott in there. And no. Has he done a decent job for the state of Texas? Yes. However, if you saw my three YouTube videos back in February and March, I wanted, I was holding his feet to the fire over this disastrous power outage that should have never happened. As Harry Truman says, the buck stops here. Well, Greg, the buck stops there. And what did you do? Nothing. And the estimates I looked at initially, I, I was way off. It went over a billion dollars in damage. Were any of those people in charge of ERCOT held responsible? No. Was anyone in the utility commission held responsible? No. Was anyone in the Texas legislature held responsible? No. Was, did Greg Abbott hold himself responsible? No. It's like everything else we do today. Oh, that story was two months ago. Yeah, but it's still impacting you. We haven't seen the final fallout from the insurance claims. And wait till you get your new premiums. Then you're going to go, what the hell happened? Well, by the actuary tables and the amount of money that we had to pay out, we had to raise your rates to offset the losses. And that's the way it works. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out. So Texans are going to pay for this fiasco. No one in charge is, and that just makes me mad as a hornet. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Abbott held a press conference. It was like two, two and a half months ago because the feds were turning the K Bailey Hutchinson convention center in downtown Dallas into a migrant facility for children. And the feds wouldn't let the Texas state troopers go in to see what was going on. So Abbott holds this big news conference and 
basically it was just, okay, uh, what is this powder puff football we're playing or something? This is my state and I'll go in wherever the hell I want to with or without your permission. Now, what are you going to do? Did he do that? No. Have they gone in there since then? Not that I know of. In fact, none of the news agencies are covering it anymore. Maybe I'll need to drive down there and see if it's open to the public, which I'm sure it isn't. And then the border. Now, this was interesting. Another good friend of mine, James, he wanted to know if the governor could do anything with this unbridled immigration crisis. And that's all it is. It's a crisis. So I looked at the Texas Constitution. Because the question was, can the governor do anything? And I believe it was in the second section. And yes, the state, the governor of the state can defend itself from an invasion. But it's not representing the United States as a whole. It's protecting its sovereignty as a state. Well, Greg, do it. Now, one of my friends said, well, it's about money. If they do that, then the feds won't give them money. No, that's not the deal. They might try. Well, we're going to hold your funds back. Okay. Then we'll secede. And you'll lose our economy you will lose all of our tax money. How much money are you going to lose in federal taxes from the state of Texas? You know, we can play this both ways. Now, I wish I could say the state of Texas is in the black, but it isn't. There isn't a state in the union that's in the black. None of them. And I've talked about that before. And one of these days, this whole thing's going to have to just, we are going to have to start over because the economy will crash because there's nothing supporting it. This is all borrowed money. How is it that the largest economies in the United States of Florida, Texas, California, and New York are upside down are in the red? Well, go look at the numbers. Go to the national debt clock and pull it up and you'll see it. You'll see exactly it's all the social programs. I don't have a problem with those, but there comes a point to where enough is enough. My God, how did our grandparents and great-grandparents and parents survive the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th centuries? with no safety net, how'd they do it? They worked, they saved, they didn't overspend. They made most of their stuff. And thanks to World War II and the 50s, all of that changed. My mom still made her own dresses and mended my jeans that I would just tear the hell out of playing football and baseball and every other sport. 
nothing was thrown out today. We throw out more shit than we can shake a stick at. And it's something that we bought that we didn't need when we bought it, but uh, we thought we did, and then we threw it out six or seven months later. I mean, going to a house, uh, like when my parents had to move out of their house, I got to go through everything. And when I got down to it, a lot of it was papers, like bank statements and tax returns and old budgets, uh, photo albums. But when I really looked around at what had they accumulated, it wasn't a lot. They didn't blow their money on every little thing. They didn't have to have every little luxury. They had a 2,100 square foot home, four bedroom, two car garage, nice corner lot, nice furniture. And that's one thing. I don't remember them changing out furniture, but maybe once. Whereas some people I know, they got to have new furniture every three or five years just because. Because of what? And they just keep accumulating shit. How many homes have you been into where you walk around and go, wow, this is all really nice. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, it is. What the hell are you going to do with it in 20 years? What do you live in? 5,000 square feet? What are you going to do with this when you can't walk up the stairs anymore? It's insanity. 100% insanity. Okay. I got off track there. This border. Greg? Mobilize the entire Texas National Guard and protect our border. I don't want to hear about, I want Texans to donate to build the remaining walls, the remaining portions of the wall that Trump wasn't able to finish. Why don't you get all your cronies together? In fact, call up Rick Perry because he made a killing off of these water districts, uh, suburbs that he built and built in between Forney and Terrell and Farmersville. And there were a bunch of them. And with all the money that you've probably made from that uh, injury claim that paralyzed you and all of your buddies in that profession, you all have the cash. You, you go down there. Let's take all your money. Hell, I'm still pissed when Rick Perry was running for governor and doing a book tour across the United States and was still getting paid. How can you govern when you're on the road promoting a book? I don't remember the title of it because it didn't interest me at all. That shit's got to stop. You want to go on a book tour, we suspend your salary. Now, we're just going to eliminate you unless you have built up enough vacation time to do it on your own, but the taxpayers aren't paying for this. We're not paying for your security. We're not paying for your flights. We're not paying for your lodging. We're not paying for your meals. We ain't paying for a damn thing. You can do that all on your own. So Greg, you don't need to call on the average hardworking Texan to fund it. How many law firms can you call up and squeeze 
and say, hey, this is what you need to donate, $100 million, starting bids. I bet you could raise the money in the state, house, and senate. Because we're going to get stuck with your billion-dollar bill from the power outage fiasco of February. So we will already pay our fair share. It's time for you people to pay your fair share. You want the wall? We want the wall. You get the money. You get your high elite donors to start throwing in the kitty. 50000 don't even embarrass me with that. We Starting bids are $10 million and up. And then we're going to set it up by what? What's your net worth? And we'll get it up to where, uh, I'm sorry, anything less than $100 million, if you don't want to donate that, then we'll just come and take all your assets and donate them for you. Yeah, I know that's a bit on the dictator side, the supreme ruler, the Caesar. They got the money. You donate it. You build the wall. I bet you can get a bunch of Democrats in the state to do it, or in the in the state house to do it. I mean, when you got Quayar down there in Houston screaming and yelling because he is starting to do that at o Biden and Harris, we've seen how much they're worried about it. Not one iota. Remember when Pasaki? was questioned about Joe coming to the border when all this started exploding in late February and March. And she came out with that redheaded bitch stepchild excuse of, well, do you know how much it takes what's involved for the president to go down there? And he doesn't want to be the center of attention. Hell, he's the president of the United States. He's not the center of attention right now, but according to all the leftists, oh, well, that's, this is great leadership. There's no fucking leadership. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. There's no leadership here. And then I debated this with one of my buddies last night that she'd gone to the border. No, you're misinformed. She went to Guatemala. She went to Mexico City. And that gal, oh, I'd love that gal from Univision was so spot on. When are you going to the border? And Kamala starts like, he, 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 I wasn't finished yet. That the, the look on that reporter's face didn't change. She's a reporter. She wasn't bouncing her head like you see Martha McCallum and Perino and Erhart and Collins and all the other clowns on the networks. They're nodding their head or they're shaking their head or they're trying to look so sincere. Man, this gal was stone-faced. And ask the question again. This was, I believe, a Zoom call. Goes, you haven't been to the border. Well, I, I'm going to be. I, I, I'm going to be there. We're, we're, we're going to play. Well, when? And Harris couldn't answer because she's not going to the border. Biden's not going to go to the border. It's dodge and deflect. It's duck and run. He needs to go over to the what, the G7 summit, like he's going to add anything to it? What a bumbling idiot. But he can go to Tulsa and stir the pot with Jesse Jackson 
and I thought this was pretty funny. Someone asked me how many people showed up at his rally. Best I could find, and this was an AP source, 200. 200 people in North Tulsa showed up to see the president of the United States. But he carried the black vote. So where were were they all? There's more than 200 people. There's more than 200 blacks in North Tulsa and East Tulsa and West and South. So where were they all? Yeah, let's talk about how many votes were cast again. That's a good indicator right there. 200 people, 200 people of a town of 450,000. You imagine if that would have been Donald Trump that showed up for that. And I loved it when Joe said, I'm the first president. Well, you could have been the first vice president. You could have been the first senator, but you didn't care. And anybody who thinks he cared when he showed up is smoking the wrong brand again. You know, they ragged on Trump, which it it was a bonehead move when he went out there to St. John's Church because it had been fired the night before. They tried to burn that down for the photo op. What do you think this was when he went to Tulsa? You think that wasn't a photo op? Where were all the BLM people? We saw them when Trump showed up for his rally in Tulsa and the media made fun because he couldn't fill the convention center. There were more people protesting Trump coming to town than welcoming Biden and all those people you think were voting for Biden. Where were they? You finger that one out. Which brings me to the next topic. Where have all the liberals gone? I was actually going to take that saying and put it to the song, where have all the flowers gone? But it's like, that really is a good song. And I know what it's commemorating. And... I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do a parody on that song because that would really be diminishing its meaning. Well, where have they gone on Facebook? Now, I know those of you that don't have liberal friends or do, you noticed how dead Facebook is now? Seriously. If I posted an article because the last one I did that really got a lot of heat was North versus South stars and bars again, because there was this guy that was in the Capitol riot, that break in that was carrying the stars and bars. And one of the liberal professors I know, he just about shit all over himself. So I wrote an article and we got like 150 comments on it. I write an article now and it's like dead air, but it's just not me. I've noticed this with others. So has Facebook changed the algorithm again, but I was getting all of Mark Zuckerberg's posts 
like I wanted them. So I had to put him on snooze. What do, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see your wife. And don't be asking for charity, for people to donate to a charity when you're worth how many billions of dollars? Fund it yourself. Fund it yourself. You got the money. You got a cause. Do it yourself. But really, where have they gone? Where have they gone on Facebooks? And maybe that's happening the same with those that are liberal. Are they still getting all the conservative posts? But it's like it's become this abyss, this black hole. It's kind of raises uh, some eyes now and then. What's being blocked? What's being filtered? And why? Now, what was it? A month ago, we heard that uh, Trump was going to come up with his own social media site. Was this hype? I don't know. And I understand Parler's back up and running. You didn't hear a big blowout from the news folks on that, did you? In fact, I think I went and looked it up, and for whatever reason, I couldn't even get on it. I did have an account with Parler, but I'll be honest, every time I pulled it up, there'd be like 50 messages from one person, and that was Dan Bongino. It's like, dude, have you nothing else to do? I understand this has become your life now. Thanks to Fox News, you have become one of the forerunners of conservatism, but I'll still take Rick Roberts over you any day of the week. And those of you who live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that have not listened to Rick Roberts, I highly recommend him because he is a talk show analyst. And he's not like Mark Levin, and he's not like Chris Alcedo, where they just cut you off and call you every name in the book and hang up. At least Rick will let you get your point out there if you disagree with him. And then he will just, he will put his argument out there. I mean, the man is a lawyer, so he knows how to argue quite fluently and uh, tell you in no uncertain terms, but a little softer than I would, where I would call someone a dumbass. He just says, well, I really think you need to check your facts and uh, you are very misguided which I should probably use on occasion with people. But uh, I get to the point where it's just so, it's so much easier to call someone a dumbass and move on than try and sprinkle water on it and make the flowers grow so they feel better when I tell them how stupid they are. And of course they do the same to me. Okay, well, we'll just have a case of double dumbass double dose of dumbass you know it happens no i don't use this language in my speech or in my seminars i know better i might get to that point but i know better there are certain things you don't say and it's not because it will offend anyone it's because it's not the proper forum for that and believe me, in a lot of the meetings I sat through, I 
I'm surprised I didn't have to sew my tongue on about half a dozen times because it's just like, are they really saying this? Are they really, are they really, what are they talking through their ass? And I can think those thoughts, but I cannot express them as bluntly as I'd like to. So I have to approach it in a different way. And a good example of that was I was really sick, but I had this big meeting with the state. Everybody was going to be there. I, I've got the flu. I had no business being there. I don't think anybody else caught it from me, but because I was asked this question, if I deal with everybody the same way, well, this is the owner of the company. And I had been told that I would never get rental equipment. And I said, you know, all I can do is ask if he says no, he says no. Whereas I could tell the guy who was telling me that I wouldn't get it, you know, well, you're just a dumbass, and I don't have to listen to what you say. But when I approached the owner and he said, after the meeting, is there anything else you need? And I said, yes, sir, there is. And I listed the pieces of equipment and then I gave the reasons behind needing those. And he said, get what you need. So then I got to call the guy back who told me hell would freeze over for that happen. And I said, this is what I need. Get it for me. And of course he just about lost his ever loving mind. How'd you do that? And I said, I asked nicely, politely, kindly, compassionately. And if he'd have told me, no, I said, well, now we have a problem and I won't get into all that. That's a whole different ballgame, but I can be civil I can be calm, cool, and collect in certain atmospheres and arenas. There is a time to rag on people like when I did all the foreman over an equipment check I spent a weekend doing, but I still, I was, as Juan Valdez used to say, this is a guy I worked with for probably 10 years, really good, good Colombian. Uh, he, he reminded me, I was reminded of what he used to call me. He said, I was always speaking hard and I said, yes, but do you understand what I'm saying? And he goes, yes, but I didn't have to use profanity with the crew. I would just tell them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do it today. And this is, and it's going to be done. And that's it. And if there's any debate, call someone who cares because it sure the hell ain't me. So yeah, I might throw in an occasional hell now and then, but Hey, I just wasn't singling them out, telling them that they're a bunch of dumbasses, even though I wanted to. But he said, I was always speaking hard. And I said, yeah, but you understand what I'm getting at, don't you? And he goes, yes, we do. Then the message is received, isn't it? Yes, the message is received. And that's what I go over in these, in this, in this seminar that I'm going to put together. So what's going on with Facebook? I've noticed it on Twitter too. It doesn't give a damn how many hashtags, hashtags you put out there. I've watched my membership go up, go down, go up, go down. It's like a yo-yo up and down. Now my blog, LDDJEnterprises.com, that seems to still be bringing a lot of traffic. And that that's exciting. I like to see that because I can see, okay, how many were in yesterday, the day before for the month, for the year. 
and that's still getting a lot of traffic. I don't know where it's coming from, but hey, I'm all about that because I guess the articles I'm posting, people are finding interesting. But it's like there's something going on with Twitter and Facebook as far as call it censorship, call it what you want to. But I think they've changed their algorithms. Maybe they thought it was just getting too volatile out there. Of course, Twitter still got people on there that have no business. But that's okay. That's It's so ridiculous right now inside it. It's hard to say what they're doing. But uh, are they suppressing free speech? Are they suppressing traffic? Are they suppressing posts? We don't seem to have a problem of getting Zuckerberg's updates, what he and his wife and their kids are doing, like I give two shits. And we sure don't seem to have a problem in getting a lot of unsponsored ads that we didn't sign up for and never even looked at anything remotely about the topic that they're trying to sell us on. I don't know how many of these solar companies I have kept putting on there. And then you go back and said, well, if you, you know, you go to their guidelines and why you saw the ad, what a bit saw a bunch of crap. You can tell, look at how many of these sites that I blocked. There's your indicator right there. Well, if you see that a user has blocked it, that means they don't want to see anything about solar energy or Mexican jumping beans or caterpillar equipment or refried beans from Goya. I blocked it. That's all you need to know. I block it once. I don't want to see another anything even remotely close to that. Period. End of statement. But that's not how it's working. These are paid sponsors. And they're going to hit you with your ad, those ads, whether you like it or not. What a bunch of crap Ola. ridiculous okay next next topic and this is really causing a lot of outrage as it should the squad oh god i'm sick of hearing about them talib omar cortez and i even forgot who the other one is not that i care you know, if the media, and that goes, hey, you folks at Fox, I was ragging on you when Cortez was first elected to the House of Representatives. You gave her more free airtime than a sane person would even consider. She was a raving lunatic then and now, and yet you st- you're not covering the news. We know she's stupid. We know Omar hates the United States. We know Tlaib is right in bed with Omar. Get the hell out. So this debate came up with a buddy of mine yesterday about what to do with him. And I said, well, let's see what uh, the House leadership does. And we got to see it. Pelosi defended it. What? What was she? What, 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 yeah, you know, it's, it's like, 
Oh, Nancy almost couldn't get it out of her mouth. Well, she 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 had something to say, and uh, it's her it's her right to uh, express her opinion, and uh, that's that's pretty much about all I can say about that. You grab that little Spanish, Puerto Rican, Mexican, whatever she is, by that black hair, yank her into the office, and say, "You say shit like that one more time, and we will throw you out." Omar, you're going to be right with her. Talib, remember, she got a pass for talking about we're going to impeach that MF in reference to Trump. Oh, well, that's not what she really meant. What a bunch of crap. I am so sick and tired of these people coming out and say that's not what I meant. Really? Well, if I tell you to do your damn job, guess what? I really meant it, and I mean it. Now get off your dead ass and either go to work or I'm going to fire you. That's the end of the statement. There is no debate. Is there something you did not, anyone out there, is there something you didn't understand about what I just said? Do your damn job or you're fired. Was there any ambiguity in that statement? I don't see it. But we see it from like Tubin. I didn't mean to masturbate during a Zoom meeting. Yeah, you did. You just didn't think the camera was on you, dumbass. Oh, but as I said earlier, CNN's going to hire him back. So, yeah, we're just going to have a live show. Yes, I know. I do get fired up, but there are provisions just like when you impeach a president and I, I don't have my constitution handy and I don't have it memorized, but if your behavior is unbecoming, that's, that's grounds. But do you think Pelosi and Schumer are going to call these four twits out? I mean, Omar's the one that said, well, some people, did something bad in reference to 9-11. Well, we know who did it, and she's just ignoring it. Too bad she wasn't on the... No, I can't even use that analogy because those were brave men and women that died at Pearl Harbor. There is no analogy for her anti-American rhetoric. I think they got a cell in Leavenworth where she would be able to preach the gospel for the next 20 plus years, breaking rocks. That's where she belongs. There's no issue with having having differing opinions. Let's get that straight right now. I can talk about the Texas Rangers or the Detroit Tigers, the plus and the minuses with a fellow fan who who watches them too. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on what it's going to take to fix the problem. And we can have very strong opinions on what we think needs to happen and not agree on it. We can do this in business. 
We can do this in the workplace. But we will still have respect for that person. We might not like them, but we will still have respect for them. Because once you lose respect, it's all gone. There is no respect for these four. But Pelosi and Schumer are going to tolerate it. They're going to tolerate Omar comparing the U.S. and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban. Well, when is she going to compare the U.S. to Nazi Germany and the Holocaust? I mean, that's basically the road they're traveling down. And I think actually one of those idiots said that. This shit's got to stop. Now, the plus side, if you're a conservative, and, and this was one of my problems with Trump, the Democratic Party was in an utter furor during his tenure. And even a portion of the Republican Party was pissed off that Donald got in because he threatened the power base of everybody. But every time the Democrats came close to falling on their sword, he would get in the way. He would have to interject some useless comment. And instead of them focusing on their problems, they got to come back together, unite, and just go after him. Even though they were having their own problems, he was a unifying power for those against him because he wouldn't shut the hell up sometimes. That was his biggest fallacy. It's just like George C. Scott said when he portrayed Patton in that movie. And Bradley's looking at him and goes, George, your biggest enemy is your own damn mouth. And then George had to admit that he was a prima donna and was pissed off that Montgomery wouldn't admit that he was a prima donna. Because he was so pissed off that if you won't let me fight them, why did you pick me, Brad? I didn't pick you, Brad. Ike picked you. And George is like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm going to lose Brad. If I lose Brad, I'm going to lose my command. If I lose my command, I got to retire. And if I retire, I won't be here to kick those Nazi bastard paper hanging sons of bitches all the way back to Berlin. Yep, that was a time to be quiet, George. That's something Donald never learned. There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to listen. Imagine if he would have listened and not talked all the time. I don't think we'd have had this ridiculous election result. 80 million people voted for Joe Biden and 200 showed up in Tulsa. Yeah, you do the math there. You tell me. It doesn't add up. fact i might have to go back and look at the tulsa tulsa county and see just how many did vote for biden that might be enlightening and if it was ten thousand or twenty thousand i don't know 50 he got a whole 200 to show up they should have come out in droves especially north tulsa to celebrate or commemorate celebrates not the correct word to commemorate the 1921 race riot. Oh, that's right. They changed it to massacre. And there was nothing right about that. But Tulsa was a 
hotbed for the Klan back in the 20s. That's why the blacks set up a whole lot of different cities in the state of Oklahoma just for them. Okay. So what do you do with these four? Do you, if the Republicans get the House and the Senate back in 2022, is your first order of business throwing them out and trying them for treason, especially Omar? You know how weak Republicans are. They don't have the spine for it because they'll waffle around. It's what needs to be done, but they'll waffle around and they'll have committee after committee and hearing after hearing, and then they'll have to talk about it and think about it. And by that time, it'll be 2024 and they will have done nothing because we saw that during Trump's tenure. Everybody wanted Hillary and Bill lit up and tried and all this other stuff. And the Republicans did what? Nothing because they didn't like Donald. I can go back to Paul Ryan. First order of business Trump wanted was let's overhaul the health care system and get rid of Obamacare. And Paul Ryan couldn't get the support because Paul Ryan didn't like Donald. And after two years, he he did what a lot of spineless Republicans do. He ran and hid. I'm going home to mommy. He's being mean to me. He told me to do my damn job. Bullshit. So what you going to do with them? One, I'm not going to give them any more airtime because I can get more intelligent thoughts when I go to fill up my tire with air at the store. That's about how much brain power those four have combined. An embarrassment. Okay. What is the last thing today? Oh, I still haven't decided if I'm going to post this article, but uh, it has to do with the executive orders. Once again, here's a story that everybody was big on, and you did see it on Facebook until this algorithmic change happened or something happened executive orders the right and i was in there with them only i was doing it in a different way here are the orders that he's passed here's the amount versus what trump passed in his first hundred days etc cetera, etc cetera. and joe said that anybody that has to pass executive orders as a dictator. That's a direct quote from that dumb Walter ass some bitch. He's up to 51. He's on a pace to sign 750, but there used to be a site and I could go to it and believe it or not, CNN did it. They had a running tally of the executive orders, executive actions, and memos. 
Can't find it. Where to go? I can't find anything. So then I went to Wikipedia. Well, we know that that's just a real source of solid information. They've lost interest in posting it. They're behind. Do you hear anyone else talking about it? So Joe signed 51. Trump signed 55, his first year. At Joe's rate, he will be number six in most executive orders signed. We haven't seen his ones on gun control. You remember that? About three weeks ago when they were asking him. And he said that his staff was looking in to see what he could do. Now, my friends on the right have said, yeah, but California said it's unconstitutional. California, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, blah, blah, blah. They can pass what they want to. That's not going to stop a president from signing an executive order just because a federal court said this. But yeah, that's his pace right now. So I'll think about posting this, but you know, those that think this is great leadership, the economy, I mean, look at how many jobs we lost this time last year to COVID. What was it? 22 million, 20? And 17 of those were in the food industry, entertainment industry. I believe that was the number. 17 million were in those businesses. Well, of course, they're going to come back. And I didn't give Trump a pass when he started, when states started opening up back in the fall. Of course, Florida never really shut down. Well, of course, these people are going to go back. That's just a given. And Donald was patting himself on the back and talking about the stock market. And I wished he would have shut up about that because the stock market is not a good indicator of the economy. That's, that's a given. That's economics 101. Once again, he didn't know when to shut up. But of course, these people had to, the job numbers will go up because businesses are reopening and those that were furloughed or laid off and were getting this ungodly amount of unemployment insurance, well, it's not creating a new job. It's just filling the vacancy for an old job. Because if you remember, at one time, there were 300,000 more jobs than there were workers, and we had record unemployments. There weren't enough working people to fill the jobs. So I don't give a damn what the jobs report says. There's still like, what, 6 million jobs unfilled, 5 million? Well, 
the economy will grow and those businesses will do better as those employees come back. Now, I'm also guessing a lot of companies have figured out how many employees they don't need anymore with the advent of Zoom and how much office space they don't need because of the advent of Zoom. I'd like to know what American Airlines is thinking because they built this massive new corporate headquarters out there at DFW. Now, granted, there weren't a lot of commercial passenger flights going out, but I wonder what type of rethinking they're doing and retooling. I have one friend and he worked for a company that got a new building. They signed a new lease. They rented out five floors. And they, they figured out through this pandemic, they only need four because for their operation, things were going smooth. Money was still flowing and they're looking at, we don't need this extra overhead expense. How many companies are thinking we don't need this extra overhead expense? Our employees can work from home. We can get smaller office space. We don't need 10 floors at the Republic, whatever the Republic Bank building in downtown Dallas is called now. We only need five because the rest of those people have agreed they'll work from home. They don't, they will come into the office occasionally and we'll have meetings, but we can work from home. And this must have made the millennial generation just ecstatic because Them getting up on time is a real push. I worked at a company. One gal was Chinese. One was Vietnamese. Sweet gals. Really enjoyed them. They they were great to work with. I told them they had to be at work at 8 o'clock, and you thought I just hit them on the head with a sledgehammer. Huh? 8 o'clock? Yeah, 8 o'clock. Best they did was 8.30. I think one made it at 8.15. But now they can stay home. They can order in their lattes. They can watch whatever TikToks and YouTube crap they want to. They can walk around in their pajamas. They don't have to put on makeup. That's heaven. And think of all the money companies will save because my buddy that I was mentioning earlier, I don't have permission to use his name, so I won't. He was showing me the layout of the interior design or architectural design of this building. It was like a spa, all these safe places, TVs, lounges, couches, uh, leather recliners. What type of workspace is this? Oh, well, that's what the millennials want. Well, then let them pay for it once they get a job here. I'm not going to fork out a million dollars so they feel at home, and then I fire their ass in two weeks. Look at all the money companies are going to save. I bet you haven't heard that from any of the economists. And I tried to raise this issue with... uh, Kevin Freeman, who is one of the top economists in the nation, he just kind of blew me off. I was like, okay. But 
this is something you all need to think about. Yeah, they won't. I mean, what do I know? I'm a construction guy. I'm a dumbass. I just pour concrete and lay pipe. What do I know about economics and all that? So, you know, the economy is going to take care of itself. People are going to, once all this unemployment stops, they got to go back to work. And those jobs are still there. No, we haven't created new jobs yet. Trump created new jobs. Because 300,000 hadn't been filled. We'd never seen that. And, of course, Joe, in his infinite wisdom with his EOs, he killed the XL pipeline, and those were high-paying union jobs, but he's a union man, so I'm going to take your jobs away. Yeah, I wonder how they're feeling about that now. And we already know about racial tensions. This is just Obama 2.0. I believe he figures that, uh, which I hope BLM crumbles because – I read that letter they sent to Joe and Kamala back in December. And if they didn't get their way, I could see them marching on D.C. It still could happen. But if they have all this internal strife going on and their leadership collapses, will fringe groups pop up out of this? That's very likely. And they'll be more radical. So... This war on the police and racial tensions, it's, Joe, you need to pull your head out. You don't need to go tell Vladimir Putin that I'm going to tell him exactly what he needs to know. Vladimir knows what he needs, and he doesn't need some old Walter Biden coming in and trying to be a big man about it. Biden Putin knows who Biden is. He had to deal with them when he was the vice president. So this is nothing new. What's Joe going to do when he has a real crisis on his hands? If the if what we have at the border, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, isn't a crisis, what are you going to do when a major one pops up. Oh, we already saw that, didn't we, with Israel and Palestine? He's going to give them, God, what was that number? Something like $100 million to rebuild, but none of that money can be used for military installations in Gaza? Yeah. Good luck with that because there's plenty of articles to say, well, we tried this once before, but since we couldn't monitor it, we don't know what the money was spent for. What we do now, it was used to fortify positions so when they attacked Israel, they could somewhat defend themselves. So that's two crises, and he gets a big fat F minus. But the other thing, let's see what else we got here with Joe. Oh, yeah, when he was in Tulsa, you remember way back when, when Trump was uh, calling out senators and congressmen that didn't go along with him and the, of course the media just jumped up and down i think they were on pogo sticks or something they were so incest with what he said well joe did it in tulsa 
at the very end of his one hour boring monologue. God, it is painful to listen to him. Without using their names, he called out Mansion and Cinema because he was talking about HR1 and voting rights and how there were two Democrats that were acting as Republicans and you needed to contact them because your future at a stake is at stake. No, the future of voting is at stake in HR1. Anybody who's read it, which it's not an easy read, realizes just how bad it is. This isn't about voter integrity. This is about zero integrity and anybody votes and nothing has to be verified. That's not integrity, but he called them out. Did you hear that from anybody? Was anybody else talking about that? Not that I've heard. And they're holding their ground and good for them. They should because they're looking at their principles and the bigger picture. Cinema has said point blank, we ain't getting rid of the filibuster. And then she did it very eloquently in that. Yeah, we're in power now, the Democrats, but what happens when the Republicans get in power? Unlike when Harry Reid was the first one to use this and then it became a hot potato. She's thinking clearly because she realizes this is just about a party's power. And that's not how this is supposed to work up here. That does not mean I agree with everything she stands for. But I can agree with some of it and say, yes, I can support you on that, but I won't support you on this. And that will kill bills like HR1 and HR127. There's 127 or 157. But this is how the Congress used to work. Remember under Reagan, he dealt with a Democratic Congress. He got his bills passed. He got his policies put in place. Because people knew we don't, we might not like each other, but what's best for America? Not what's best for our party, what's best for America. And that started shifting when Bill Clinton became president. And the press started leaning to the left. And it got worse and worse, and it's not gotten better. I just want a Republican in office, my friends will say. And I'm like, well, what do they stand for? Well, I don't know, but they're Republican. How do you know? John McCain was a Republican. And then he got called a rhino. Paul Ryan was a Republican. He got called a rhino. Just because they're Republican doesn't mean they support what you support. You might actually find a Democratic candidate out there who is more in line with what you believe than the Republican candidate and vice versa. And then you might ask, well, why do they run on this ticket if I if they believe what I believe? I can't answer that. Maybe they're trying to bring some sensibility to the madness that is our political system right now. 
You tell me. So you think about that in 2022. I know that's a long ways off in hell. Most people can't remember what they had for dinner last night, much less two days ago, or what they thought or said a month ago about a particular topic. Well, that's because they're not big on history and they don't think that what the past, what has happened in the past will affect what happens in the future, which is a huge misnomer. It will. And then when you get blindsided and go, well, I didn't think that's right. You didn't think you've got to broaden out and look at the whole picture and not just, this is what I want. How does it affect the whole picture? And I'm going to conclude this on a good point because that's what my management seminar is about. Yes, we have to look at the individuals, but how does it affect the company as a whole? What is best for the company? Is it best to have some incompetent person that's been there 15 years in a position they aren't capable of handling and everybody knows it? Well, they've been loyal for 15 years. Well, then you need to do something. Put them in a position they're capable of handling. And if that means they're going to take a pay cut, then they're going to take a pay cut. And now you're going to find out if they're loyal to the company. I remember this one outfit I worked for. My boss just came out and said that uh, he couldn't live on his salary. He had to get the bonuses to meet his lifestyle. Well, too bad for you, Robert. I'm not responsible for your lifestyle. If you're already living beyond your means, too bad. That's not my problem. That's your problem. So either scale back or go broke. I don't give a damn, but you're gone. Hit the road, Jack. No, I don't say that in the seminar. But... It gets the point across because that just turns into bad morale in a company and people are always talking about what an idiot he is or she is and how unqualified they are and how much better it worked when so-and-so was in charge. Well, if so-and-so got the promotion, we'll just say it was Sally got the promotion. Okay. Well, whoever filled her position is responsible for for fulfilling for filling that position wasn't thinking, well, they've been here longer. It doesn't matter. That'd be like taking me as a concrete finisher and I get a raise and they put me on top of a slip form paver and say, tear your ass and pour a mile a day. I'm going to go, yeah, like hell's going to freeze over for that happens. I don't even know how to turn the damn thing on. And this is a personal experience where a company was recruited, was wanted to hire me out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I told them multiple times, I'm not a slip form paving operator, okay? I am a project manager. I am a superintendent. I am a foreman, but I am not a slip form operator. Have I been on them? Yes. Can I operate one on a day-to-day basis? Can I uh, break it down and uh, not analyze? Damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? diagnose a problem if the paver goes down no i cannot because i'm not that familiar with that machine i've run simple ones but you get on these big mainline pavers especially today hell they're all computerized good luck 
trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Cause if you don't have the right equipment, you're screwed. And I went and visited these guys and it was kind of cool. Cause I met three guys I knew from Dallas that were working on the paving crew up there. And that they thought that was a good sign. But when we really started getting into the specifics of the job, they said, we want a paving operator superintendent. I said, what did I tell you guys? I could have lied. And then we'd have all been screwed because they've only got a six month paving paving season. There's no, there's no room for training. When they're ready to fire that bitch up, they are ready to rock and roll. And they're going to have 750 to a thousand yards of concrete sitting in front of that paver. And you better know what the hell you're doing. Cause if you don't, let's just say it as $75 a cubic yard and you got a thousand yards of how much money did you lose in concrete alone that day? That's a bad hire. I mean, I enjoyed going up there. It was free, but it was a waste of their time. They paid for my flight. It was a waste of their money after I had told them. <clears throat> and and no, there was nothing they could tell me to convince me to take that job because I knew my limitations. <clears throat> and people might say, you're holding yourself back. No, I just saved the company $750,000 in concrete. That's not holding myself back. If I, if there had been a uh, paving superintendent there that could have taught me how to run that machine during the winter, okay, well, that wasn't an option. If I had run a full-lane CMI or Gameco slip-form paver in Dallas, and was comfortable with it, and they had one comparable, that's different. I can do that. But I hadn't. So does this happen in your company? If you have a person, because you got to know what they're telling you. Yeah, I've hired the wrong people through the years, but I could easily correct that mistake. Nowadays, I don't see that mistake. In fact, in some of the companies I've been around, the more mistakes a person made, the higher they were promoted so somebody else could watch them. I heard this as a bona fide reason for promoting them because the person who was watching them wasn't competent enough to do it. So they're going to have someone who's higher up watch them do it, and they're still not competent to do the job that they were just assigned. So just keep, you know, it's like passing kids in school. I don't want them next year. Just keep moving them up the chain, moving them up the chain. Well, how much is that employee costing you as you move them up the chain? You got to be able to look at things analytically and with open eyes. That's the wrong person for the job. We appreciate your loyalty. We got to put you someplace where you will do, where you will excel because you're not doing it here. We're just not going to leave you there thinking it will change. They've been there two years. It hasn't changed. That's way too long. You'd have known in six months, if you were properly managing your people, that they weren't capable of handling the job. It just isn't going to get better. Not today or not tomorrow.
Okay. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really didn't think I was going to have much to talk about today, but we filled up an hour and 52 minutes. Sounds like a winner to me. We all enjoy your, the rest of your weekend for you fathers out there. Enjoy your father's day. And I will talk to you in two weeks. Be safe. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com. Websites, LDDJ Enterprises and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.